The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Today's daf has been dedicated in memory of Tzipora Miriam Rasha Batchana Reisel Finkel, dedicated today by Yael Rosenberg and family. Yemara Moed Katan Davav. Today's daf is being studied in the Nishmat of Raham Ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tenichenu Begin Aiden. Amen. Today's daf is being studied in Ruach Hashem Yosef Ben Sarah. Today's daf has been studied Amen. We begin today's daf on daf he Amud bet, and we start two lines. From the bottom. So we start with the Gemara with the words Vilikush. Which means yesterday we learned the Gemara about a Sadeh Shinecherash Bo Kever. The field that a Kever was plowed in it, that's called the Beta Paris in the Lashon of the Gemara. So we said we had a specific case, but we had originally a field where they had a body that was buried in the field, it was just lost somewhere in the field, they don't know where it is. So the Allah said, for that reason, they had to make it siyun. Siyun is at the market, in order to warn the Kohanim not to walk in that field. So otherwise, if they're going to walk over the coffin area, it's going to be ohil tum'ah, and they're going to become tamer. So the Gemara said, however, if there's trees uh, in that field, so then already you have to assume that the field was plowed. Wherever there's trees, there's plowing. So then that Sadeh Shene'evad Ba'kever turns into a Sadeh Shene'chayrash Ba'kever. That's a different law. Then the law is that the Kohen may walk through the field. Uh, he crawls through the field, actually. And he blows uh, the fragments uh, away, the bone fragments. It's in Kisora, the size of a barley corn, which can give him Tum'ah. What type of tum'ah? Tum'at heset it's called. Tum'ah by moving it, touching it or moving it. And therefore, uh, the trees are an indication that the field was the harash. So the Gemara asks, the lihush, let us suspect, dilma ilanot migavai, the kever mibarai. Which means, who said, uh, maybe when you see the trees, how do you know that uh, the plowing was done on the inside of the trees? Maybe the plowing of the trees was done on the outside. And therefore, if here's the tree, that's, I have the tree bordering the field. So maybe assume, instead of saying that the field itself was plowed on the side inside of the tree, maybe say that the outside of the tree, this, you know, the, towards the Rishut Rabim area, let's say, was plowed, and therefore the field wasn't touched. And therefore the field retains its status of Sadeh Shine'evad Bakevir, which means good. Trees indicate plowing, but who says where they plowed? So the Gemara says, Right, which means maybe the Ilanot were uh, on the, literally, Gevai means the inside, the Kevir. And the kever is on the outside. Let's read Rashi. Uh, three lines on the bottom. 
ולא נחרש במקום טומאה מבחוץ לאילנות, אלא בין האילנות. So he's learning that she, that maybe they just plowed in between the trees. ואבי שדה שעבד בקבר ולא נחרש. Which means you have a row of trees, let's say. So could be they just plowed in between the trees themselves, and they didn't plow actually the field. And therefore the field will remain, as said there, שנאבד בקבר, וכהן כנעה ווקר. So the Abra says, כדאמר עולה, like עולה said, בעומדים על הגיבולים. הכנמה בעומדים על הגיבולים. Like עולה said, we're talking about trees that are standing on the border, the border of the field. What is that to for you? That's she. Bottom line, בעומדים העילות על גיבולים, של רשות הרבים. דוודאי לקה טומאה מבראי. What do you want to say? You want to say that the Tum'ah is outside the trees? You can't say the Tum'ah is outside the trees, because outside the trees, in this case, it's going to mean the Shut Rabim. Because if the trees are on the border, you want to say maybe the Tum'ah is Mibarai. But that's outside. Beyond the trees. Well, you could say that if the trees are somewhere in the field itself. So you want to say that the Tum'ah is beyond the trees or to the outside of them. But if it's on the border, what's outside of the trees? The Shut Rabim. Anybody bury their dead? In the Rishut Rabim? Of course not. So that she says, She Rishut Rabim, the Vadai Leka Tum'ah me Barai, the Lokabri Inche Rishut Rabim, Ela Bida Bena Ilanot Avia Tum'ah, Venecharas Meshwila Ilanot. So you have to say that the Tum'ah, if anything, is to the inside of the Ilanot. Never when you're plowing the Ilanot, till you plow the field. Again, the original question was maybe the Tum'ah is on the outside of the trees. And we say, no, the Ilanot Adafka on the border, and if when you have the Ilanot on the border, you cannot say the Tum'ah is on the outside. You have to assume it's the inside of the trees. And once you plow the trees, you assume the field was plowed as well. So the Gemara says, wait, V'dilma Tum'ah Migavai, maybe I'll say the Tum'ah is on the inside. The Ilanot Mibarai. Rashi, top line. Velo Bena Ilanot, Velo Nehirash Bimkom Tumah. Which means who told you that just because the trees are on the border, I'll assume that the Tumah is, let's say, on the inside, but who said they plowed the whole field? How do you know just because uh, the trees are on the border that they plowed everything beyond the trees? Could be they just plowed next to the trees themselves. And then we have no ayah that this whole sadeh was plowed. And therefore it's considered sadeh shenei khadash. Read that inside. V'dilma, tum'ah megavai. Megavai's outside. Maybe the tum'ah is on the... I'm sorry, inside. Tum'ah's on the inside. It's inside of the field. Good, like we want to assume. V'ilanot mibarai. And the ilanot themselves are on the outside. Which is like we learned, but you just plowed by the Ilanot, you didn't plow in the field itself. So the Gemara says, Bimsubbachin. We're talking about the trees are not in a straight line, they're scattered throughout the field. So it's not a straight line border, because I can just say they plowed by the trees. No, they zigzag. So if they zigzag throughout the field and you plow the trees, so you have to plow inside the field itself. And therefore you have to assume that the field itself was plowed. And Subahi means they were not in the straight line, they were, as I said, zigzagged in the, in, in the field itself. And therefore you have a tree here, and you have a tree there, and you have a tree in the field itself. So therefore you're plowing where the trees are. That means automatically you're in the field itself. 
that we don't put the marker far from the Tum'ah. Why? Because we don't want to be mafsid the land of Eretz Yisrael. Because if you're going to stop putting the marker far from the Tum'ah, so you can have a lot of areas where Kwanim cannot walk, and now you're ruining uh, the land of Eretz Yisrael. So you're making Tum'ah where there's no Tum'ah. Oh, so what does that mean? You know, I tell you, the, the trees are in a straight line. So I'm not going to say that you have the straight line of trees, and there's a marker there. They put a marker by the trees. So when I see a marker, what I have to assume? That the is very close to it. Because otherwise, if you're going to say, no, I put the marker at the end of the field by the trees, and you're saying the Tumaz, uh, you know, further away, that, 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 that you wouldn't do such a thing. And therefore, when you see a Sadeh that has trees, right away you assume plowing. So the Gabbara's question was, good, I know, I'm not plowing, plowing, but maybe the plowing was just next to the trees. And maybe, really, uh, the field itself is still tradition evad bakever. No, when you see a marker, you have to assume that the Tumah is right next to it. Because we don't put a marker far away from the Tumah, and therefore, if it was in the, if the plowing took place, uh, you know, the, 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 if, if there was no plowing over there, they wouldn't have put a, a marker there originally. So therefore, originally, which was what? I should say like this. Look at that sheep. Fourth, uh, fourth, third line. Since the siyun is next to the trees, I say for sure the tumah must have been next to the trees. Because when did they originally put the marker? Before the sadeh was nehadash. They put the marker there when the sadeh had a met in there. Correct? When you have a Sadeh, there was a Sadeh and a Kevin in there. They put a marker. Now, where they put the marker? Next to the trees. So that means that Tum'ah must have been next to the trees. Then later on, we see trees. Then when we come to the to the field, so they must have plowed. Where did they plow? Next to the trees, because that's where you do the plowing. And what's next to the trees? The mitt. How do the mitt's next to the trees? Because the marker is next to the trees. And therefore they always put the marker next to the Tum'ah. So that's another answer. How you know how the Tum'ah for sure was plowed when you see trees. So we've got two answers in the bottom line. Either the trees are zigzag throughout the field. Hence, when you plow the trees, you automatically plow the Kevet. Or we assume that for sure you plowed the cave that was next to the trees. Why? Because otherwise they wouldn't have put the marker next to the trees. From the fact they put the marker next to the trees, it shows us that the Tameh with the Tum'ah was there. And the trees indicated there was Harisha. And then we have Harisha. And then we assume that now it's Sadeh. Uh, uh, and the Kohen now is able to walk in through Yipuah. Yeah. saying that there's a marker right for the tree. Well, they put it, they, we, no, no, we, we know there was a marker, that was the whole case of the Gemara. The case of the Gemara was, uh, otherwise I didn't know anything. Fine, but it was Nevad, it's somewhere in the field, we don't know exactly Good, so it. we're telling you now that, they're telling you where the, where the marker is. There's a caveat over there. So the marker comes and tells you the area where the caveat is. So we don't know exactly where it is. 
but it's where the area is. They're going to put it where the area. They have an idea where it is. I have an idea. Good. So they put it over there. So once they put it over there, the trees they plowed it. Once they plowed it, it's finished. So comes again when says, Rabbi Yudal Mir, Adji Esham Zaken Otalmid Lefishena Kol Bekiim Badavar. So the Yudal Shita was like this. You don't assume that there was Neharash just by trees. The only way you know that there was Neharash, you got to ask. And who do you ask? A zaken, tamid hakam, or a student, a talmid, which means you got to ask the hakamim of the town, and they'll tell you whether it's neharash or not neharash. So what do you see from here? That the rabbis were aware of what's going on in the town. They knew these type of uh, questions. So Amar Abaye, Shema Mina, Tsurba Merabanan, the Ika Bimata, you have a rabbi that's in a city. All the uh, subjects of the city are on his responsibility. And therefore, he's got to know these things. She said, Tamir Akam who's responsible, will know. This field over here is Neharaj, this field over here is Nehebad. So you can ask him this question. And that as she says over here, the Talmid Baki, who? We're talking about over here, Talmid obviously has, Bikiuti has fluency. Therefore, it's his responsibility to know what's going on. Gabbara says, Amar Biuda, Matza Ibn Mitsuyinit. Now you found a stone. The stone had a marker on the stone. Tameh. So you assume that underneath the stone is Tameh. Now we learned the halakha that said yesterday that we usually put the marker before the Tum'ah. Because we don't want to put the marker directly on the Tum'ah. Because by the time the Quran sees it, he's standing on the Tum'ah already. But when it comes to a stone, a stone is elevated. And therefore the Kohen can see the stone and the marker from far. And therefore we're not worried. You can put the stone, put the marker on the stone. And the Tumah is right underneath the stone. But the elevation will cause the Kohen to know exactly that there's Tumah before he gets there. That's the rule when it comes to the stones. Rashi. Matza even achat mitsuyenit. Besid. With limestone. Tahteha tamim. You don't have to put the marker far away from the stone. Because the even is elevated from the ground. But in a field, But in a regular field, you have to put it a little earlier. So the queen doesn't walk over it. Next case. Shetayim. If you saw, let's say, two stones that were marked. That she says, Mitsuyanot. Two stones that are marked. Tahtehen tameh. So under the stones themselves, like we learned earlier, are tameh. Yamara. Im yesh seed benehem. And let's say there's limestone between the stones. Benehem tameh. So then, in between is also Tameh. Which is the assumption that you have two stones, right? and they put limestone over here in between them. So you assume that they made a border. Right? There's a mat over there. So they put the stones over there to make the demarcation where the, the mat is, and they put the limestone in between. So that she says, That's the Siyum. Now, the im en seed benehem, but if there's no seed in between the stones, benehem tahor. Good. 
So the Gemara asks, Even though it wasn't plowed, which means, are you telling me that when you have two rocks, and I have limestone on the rocks, are you telling me that if the middle, in between the stones themselves, is not marked, you tell me it's automatically Even if it wasn't plowed? Automatically, the whole thing is based just on limestone. Yeah, limestone tamein between no limestone tahor. It's not based on plowing. Well, who said it's based on plowing? So the Gemara says that Tanya we learned the Brayta matza even achat mitzuyinet tachteha tamein. But one stone marked underneath it is tamein. Shetayim two stones. Im yesh choresh benehem. If in between the stones they plowed. Benehem Tahor. In between is going to be Tahor. The Imlav, Benehem Tameh. Which means according to this, it has nothing to do with the limestone in between. What the issue is over here, when you see two stones that have markers on them, in between depends. If it's not plowed, then already assume there's Tumadeh. If it is plowed, you assume it is Tahor. So you see the issue is plowing. That's she. In En Choresh Benehem Tameh. Lafagab Delekasid. Even though there's no seed. Why? The fish is seeing it have an im. Shemikan, umikan, lo ashash to siyan bentayim. Which means, uh, I don't have to put in between. I put the marker over here and the marker over there, and in between is automatic. So the Gemara says, Amar Pata, Haha, Keshehasid Shafuch al Rashehen. We're talking about a special, special case. The seed is poured on the stones. Umruda lekan ulekan. And it's spilled over the sides of the stone onto the ground on both sides. So the, the, for sure, the stones itself were marked. And then some of the uh, limestone uh, spilled over on the sides into the middle. So the Gemara says, Now you, you, you walk and you see limestone in between now. But you don't know where that limestone came from. If you see that the middle was plowed, benehem tahor. Why? The imur, because I'll say mahmat choresh havai. I'll say that the limestone came from the plowing, and according to the gersav the bach, the iklaf. Which is what happened. Really, all the limestone was on the rocks, but during the plowing process, could be the plow chipped a little of the limestone off the rock. And it fell on the floor. But there's no Tum'ah, I'll say, in between. Although really the Tum'ah was only under the rocks. Also, why is the limestone on the floor? Because uh, during the plowing, some of the uh, limestone peeled. It peeled and it fell on the floor. So just because you see limestone on the floor doesn't mean anything. However, the Ilo seed the Beni Beniu, Vitameh. But if not, which means if I don't see plowing over there, and I see limestone on the floor, I say, the limestone was put there, because there's Tumah on the floor. And therefore, in Ikhram it's going to be uh, Tameh. In between the rocks it's going to be Tameh. Which means, normally speaking, normally speaking, if I have two rocks that have limestone on it, in between, I say, is, uh, it, it depends on whether it was Nehirash or not Nehirash. That's the normal situation over here. Here, I have limestone on the ground. So the Hadush is, even in the case we have limestone on the ground, there's a way over here to analyze if it's going to be Tahor. Normally limestone on the ground, what's the question? Limestone on the ground should be no brain. It's uh, Tameh. Well, they put the limestone on the ground. Well, they put a marker for a, uh, for a bed. No. If it was Nehirash, 
then you assume what? That the limestone did not really come from the ground. It came from the rock, because it spilled over the rock. And therefore, what happened? At the time you grew, you, 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 you plowed, it peeled off, and it went on the floor. However, if you didn't see plowing, then you assume what? That that was placed there on purpose. It's placed there on purpose, and automatically it's going to be Tame Rashi. Hacha. When we said over here, when it's not plowed, it's going to be Tameh. You have the limestone poured on the rocks. It's spilling over from both sides. If you say that it was plowed, I'll say that the uh, limestone you see on the floor is because of the Hadisha. Right? As again, he says, the iklaf, shiniklaf min avarim, right? It was peeled from the stones. Then aflusha benem betaor, the ilo, si de beri beri hu, umachmat siyun naasa sham, leodia shiyesh gam benem tumah. Very good. If it wasn't plowed, then I say that it was placed there on purpose to show that there was tumah in between. <coughs> Good. So again, the Gemara's point was, originally you told me if I found two stones that have uh, markers on them, so you told me that what? If the middle was Nehrash, I'm sorry, if the middle has uh, uh, seed, so that's going to be Tameh. If the middle has, uh, the middle is going to be Tameh. So the Gemara, what do you mean? And if it's not uh, plowed, if it is plowed, we didn't discuss plowing. So the Gabbana's question was, Yiva'afal ga'af the leka horesh? She said, how did you tell me it's tahor? The kawarat tahara depends on harisha. She said, because normally I would assume that when I have two markers with two stones, the middle is automatically tameh. Because when you put two markers, therefore, with, 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 with uh, limestone on it. So the kawarat, how could you tell me it's tahor, even though it's not plowed? So it was not with a case where you have the limestone on the ground. And you don't know what the limestone is doing on the ground. You don't know if it came from the stones, or you don't know if it was put there on purpose. So then, what do you have to analyze? If it was plowed or not. If it was plowed, you assume what? It came from the stones. And really what? In between is going to be tahor. Ah, but there's limestone on the floor. Iklaf. It peeled off. Oh, if there's no plowing, then you assume that it was placed there on purpose. Then therefore, not only under the rocks is going to be tameh, but in between as well, is going to be tameh. Next case. Amar Rav Aser. says, Misad Echad Mitsuyan. You have a field. One of the borders is marked. It's four borders. One of the borders is marked. Only underneath the marker is Tameh, but the rest of the field is Tawr. I assume that Tumah is Dafka under the marker. Shinayin. Two borders, hem temeim, just the borders are tameh underneath. Vechol asadeh kolat tehora. Shelosha, three borders, hem temeim, vechol asadeh kolat tehora. Arbaa, all four borders, then it reverses. Hem tehorim, they themselves become tower underneath the borders. Vechol asadeh kolat and the rest of the field is tameh. So let's get the, the case first. Anything less than four borders that are marked, the assumption is the tumas underneath where you marked it. 
and the rest of the field beyond the line is tahor. However, if you see four borders of a field, a square, let's say, is marked, so then already you assume that the tumah is between the markers, but underneath it is tahor. Okay? That's the rule, now we have to understand the logic of the rule. The Gemara says, the Amar more, because we have a statement, because we're not allowed to distance the marker from the place of Tum'ah They're not allowed to ruin Eretz Israel. Now what is, the, what is the logic of this case? Let's start reading Rashi The guy when he put the border, the markers on all four of his sides because he wanted to show that what? the whole field is going to be which means that she's telling you that when you put on all four sides you assume what? that the tum'ah is beyond all this frame that you put around the field and you have to assume that it's all field because if it was in the field itself you wouldn't put the tziyun on the border which is the border itself you usually put the uh, tziyun next to the tum'ah so she's just answering a question maybe you'd say yeah, maybe maybe the tum'ah is uh, in the field somewhere no, you assume that it's right beyond the line because that you don't marahik the tziyun from the from the, from, 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 from the Tum'ah itself. And therefore, when I put all four, this guy's governor is for a frame. It's for, for the inside. And I'm using it as a border. And therefore, underneath it is going to be Tahor. Now the question is, what's the logic why it should be Tahor? And when you put one line, only that area is Tameh. What's the logic? Well, first of all, we have to answer the case of, how can you say that the Tum'ah is underneath the marker? I thought you said you never put the Tum'ah underneath the marker unless it's in an elevated place. So you have to say that the borders, as she says in the Kitab Yad, the borders are elevated. The field goes on an incline. So therefore the borders of the field themselves are above, they're high. So therefore I can put a marker and put the Tum'ah right underneath. Because the person is going to see it from far. So that's not a problem. I'm not worried about saying the Tum'ah is right underneath the marker. It's like a stone. Didn't we say a stone itself, the Tumas right underneath? Ah, you have to be merhik a little? No. If the guy can see it from far, no problem. Also, the question is, when you put all four, why don't you also assume that what? That the Tumas is underneath as well. Because again, if you tell me it's elevated, so I'll tell you, maybe the Tumas is underneath the uh, marker itself and uh, the whole field. Which is why you tell me no. Under, when you do all four, underneath is Tahor. But if I got the elevation systems, I could even say this. So, so they were saying no. Because when the person sees all four, he lo- he understands it that this is this is a uh, he's making a border, he's making a box, he's making a frame, and therefore the assumption of people is the tumah is not uh, underneath here. He's using this system of four to show what's inside, but not itself, and therefore the guy has to make sure that there's no tum- he's not going to put tumah under that uh, spot over there. The tumah is going to be beyond the border. So again, when the guy's coming out for a border. So then the people assume it's more, it's inside, it's boxing inside, but not itself. And therefore underneath will be Tahor, but beyond it is going to be 
Tameh. Now what's the Gibara saying? Lefisha and Malhikin. The Lefisha and Malhikin is just showing you that, okay, good, so you put a box. But how do you know that the Tum'ah is right beyond the box? Right beyond the lines? Maybe it's uh, 20 feet in the field. Maybe it's in the middle of the field, the Tum'ah. So they say, no, because we know the rule. And Malhikin. If it was in the middle of the field, he wouldn't have put the uh, borders. borders as the uh, markers. And if he's putting the borders of the law, that means the Tum'ah is right by the border, and therefore it's the whole field, really, on the, all, all the sides of the field, and that's why the whole field is going to be, whole field is going to be Tameh. Maybe you say, well, maybe the first 30 feet is uh, Tahor. How do you know? No, it's in Marhikin. That's the way that she says also in the Kitab uh, Yad. I'm going to read it in the Kitab Yad. We don't have it now, but I'll read it from the uh, article just so you can hear it. It says like this. Arba'ahin tehorin. Arba'ah, if it's on all four sides, they are tower. It's on the first wide line in the Kitab Yad. I'm not going to say that underneath the markers themselves, when it's all four, is going to be Tameh. When I see it's bordered on all four sides and it's marked, I assume that what the whole field is Be'azkatumah Mishumah ki kula tamir V'lamirin de miksatan Me'azkina velo kula V'yachol ikanis samukh lemetzar Maybe I'll tell you No, maybe you can go next to the border You know why? The im ita de'en atimah Lo haya marhikatsiun lemetzareah Because if that was the case If the tumah was not right beyond the border He wouldn't have put the the Tziyun in that spot Because the law of in marhikin Ita tziyun Minatumah but underneath is Tahor. We don't say that underneath is going to be Tameh. Elevations because uh, people are not going to assume the safek tumah b'mitzarin. They're not going to say that this tumah underneath borders itself. The Amrinan siyun ze eno mahmatan el asaviv lemitzarim b'achut sayam misuyan leodiyat the safek tumah b'mitzarin. Which means the way that she's understanding is when a guy sees all four, he says, uh, "This is a frame." His kavanah was not for what's underneath the. Uh, Lines of Tsiyun uh, themselves. What you see for, it's really to show it's for the inside. And then one guy's not going to think there's Tum'ah underneath. And therefore, what is that? You could think also, uh, the whole thing, including the. No, he's not going to say that. So when the guy thinks the guy's putting it for a border, it's for a border, it's for what's beyond it. It's a frame, but it's not what's underneath it. Even though the Chaurai, you could put the Tum'ah underneath because I can see it, because it's elevated. No, this is giving you the psychology of the way the people think. So therefore, it's going to be Hutahor underneath and everything else, Tameh. Or in the next case. Technically, you could walk on the marker. That's right. You could walk on the marker itself. Exactly. That continues. The Yotzin Af So the Gebaraz Mishnah said, on Cholam one of the things that uh, Betin does, 
is they go out and inspect people's fields for kilayim. That's talking about where, let's say, they have a mixture of two different uh, growths, right? Two different growths, uh, and therefore they have to pull it out. And that's the time really where the things start to grow, so therefore they go out and do this on Cholam Mu'ed. So they give them kilayim, and do we go out and check the kilayim on Cholam Mu'ed? Or mean we have a contradiction. We learned to the Mishnah that on the first of Adar already we start to announce to the people that they have to start giving their Mahasita Shekel. Why? Because in a month we're going to start needing the new funds in order to buy Kurbano with the new monies. Like we said, Zot Olat Chodesh, Bechocho, Lechoche. So we learned from all the extra words, Chodesh, Chodesh. We said there's a certain month, Chadesh, Vehabeh. That there's extra, there's a, new, there's a month that you have to bring from the new funding. What's that Nisan? Oh. Oh, and also on a Hadda Adar, you start to go out and announce about to the farmers, make sure check your fields for Kilayim. Now, on the 15th of Adar, Kurim et Megillah, of course that's the Megillah's read in the walled cities, Bechrachim, the Yotzim, the Kavetzit Adarachim, and you go out also on the 15th of Adar to dethorn the roads, there's different thorns that are on the roads to clean the roads, mm-hmm. and to fix the uh, streets, and to measure the mikvaot, to make sure that they have the proper 40 se'ah, which sometimes they become clogged up during the winter, of different debris, so therefore they go out and they start to unclog them, and make sure they have the 40 se'ah measurement, and they do all public works, starting on the 15th of Adar, and they do tziyun kevarot at that time. And they also go out to do the kilayim. So now, the kevarot's question is, what are you talking? You told me that you go out on the kilayim on Cholamorid. And now you just told me in the Mishnah that they went out already on Purim time. So make up your, make up your, what was a month later? So where did they go out in the Kalaim of it? Did they go out on Purim? Or did they go out on Cholam So the Gemara says, Rabbi Al-Hazab, Rabbi Yosef, Barhanina, Had Amar, Kan Bibakhir, Kan Bi'afil. Which is one interpretation is, yeah, you have the early crop, that's the Bakhir, and you have the Afil, the late crop. On the early crop, you gotta go out early. You gotta go out on Adar. On the crop that b- b- blossoms later, so they go out again on Cholam So they went out twice. One for the early crop, one for the late crop. Hadamar, another answer. Kan bizra'im, kan birakot. One's talking about the seeds, like the zra'im. And one's grains. talking about, huh? Zra'im uh, grains. Right, grains, like wheat. And one's talking about vegetables, which is early and which is later. Look at that sheet. Bizra'im ala tifu'ah. The wheat comes out earlier. So when it comes to the wheat, they will go out on Purim time. When it comes out to the vegetables, they will go out on Cholam Mu'ed. Amar of Asemar of Yohanan, Lo shanu ela she'en nitsan nikar. Which is all this is talking about where the sprouting of the produce is not recognizable. I mean, as long as the, it didn't sprout yet, then we give you the uh, wheat is uh, Purim time, and the vegetables is But let's say it starts to sprout before that time Then you go out even before You go out a month before This is all talking about Before it starts to sprout 
But once already, let's say it was an early season, let's say, and the product started to sprout, then we don't wait to Purim. You go ready from before. You don't wait to Halloween. You go from before. Wait to about a normal season when normal it, you catch it before it sprouts to pull it out. Comes the Gemara and says, now, now why you go out on Cholam Red? Which means, can't you do this before or after? It seems like they waited Davka for Cholam Red to go out and check the uh, fields for Kilai. What are you doing? Why do this on Cholam Red? Is it specifically wanted to be done on Cholam Red? Amar Biyakov, Amar Biyohanan, Mishum, Schar Pe'ula, Demuzle Gaban. Because we can hire workers for cheap price. Why? Nobody's working on Cholam You don't have to work. So therefore, we're looking for a worker. He's not going to charge us for price because he's happy to take any work that he can do. Because anyway, he's not allowed to work. So therefore, we can pay the guy a cheaper wage. You know we learned from this? Must be that the money that we pay these inspectors is coming from the court. It's coming from the from the treasury of the Beit Hamikdash. Why? The Because if you tell me that the owners of the fields that they themselves pay the inspectors, what do I care how much he pays? Let him pay as much as he has to pay. Why are I so concerned about saving money? If the owners have to pay for the for the for the inspection, let's say listen, the price is whatever it is, pay the full price. But here if we're trying to save money, what does that show you? Must be the money is the Kodesh money being used. So when the Kodesh money is being used, you have to be uh, responsible. You can't just uh, spend uh, uh, more than it costs. So we wait for Holam Ra'ed, where we know that workers will take a cheaper rate, because there's no work anyway, and therefore must be that it's Kodesh money. Because it was regular money from the person who was the field. We don't, we wouldn't care. Now the Gemara says, Va'ad Kama. Oh, so now the question is, What's the ratio that's considered kilayim? What are the inspectors that be concerned about? Which well, is it's possible you have a field. You're going to have a couple of different uh, sp- uh, species in the field. What's considered the shi'ud where you have to be concerned that this is kilayim? So Amar Shemuel by Yitzhak, like we learned, kol se'ah. That's a se'ah, the size of a field. Sheyesh ba rova. Zera mimin aher. We have a quarter of a calf of a different species. Yemaret. So you have to minimize that ratio. Which means a quarter of a calf is one twenty fourth of a se'ah. There's six calf in a se'ah. So a quarter of a calf of a different species in the se'ah that has all the other uh, species, that's already kalayim. So now the betty's got to go and yimayit. Yeah, minimize it to get it under that ratio. And therefore you don't have a problem. So it says, What do you mean? We have a bright that says, What do you mean yimayit? Yimayit is mashwa. They just you know, minimize it and you're okay. We have another bright that says, No. When betty would see that a guy has a shot in his ratio in there, or the kalayim ratio, they would make the whole field hefkir. All the uh, product is uh, ownerless. So the Gemara says, "Like Ashia, can kodem takana, kam lechar takana." It depends on what we're talking. Before the enactment and after the enactment. What enactment? The Tanya b'dishona you okrin. Originally, what happened? Betting would come. They would see kliyim in the field. They would uproot it. Umashlichin ufne behemtam. 
and they would take the kanayim, let's say they pulled out the wheat, let's say, right? What would they do with the wheat that they pulled out? They would throw it so the owner's animals could eat from it. We don't care, there's no issue to eat from it. The issue is to keep it in the field. So they would uproot and give it to the uh, animals. But the owners of the field were thrilled. Doubly, twice happy. Why? Number one, they, they weeded their fields for them. Because when they're pulling out uh, the, 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 the kalayim, so they're also doing gardening work for them. So they're thrilled. We've got free, uh, free workers over there pulling out all the uh, stuff for them. And number two, I get free food for the animals. I mean, I'm benefiting. So they, they love this. So the rabbis were not happy. The guy, the guy did isur. He has kalayim. And now he has two sabachot that he's thrilled with. You know what they said? For now on, you, you, you cannot benefit from his animals from this stuff here. They're going to pull it out and throw it on the, on, on the roads. So nobody can benefit. No people can benefit. You know, other people have cared. But still they were happy. Again, they're still pruning their fields for them. So therefore they were still happy. So Rabbi what? you planted Kalam, we're canassing you. If there's Kalam over here, we're not being mimaid, we're not going to take it out. Now the whole field is Hefker, which means people can come in and take whatever they want. So the guy would now have a Kalam, he wouldn't be happy. If he got caught, now he's penalized. So therefore, uh, the, that was the Takana that they made. The Ma'it was before the Takana, and the Hefker was after the Takana. Next Mishnah. The Gemara, the next question, the Bidi Aizab and Yaakov Omer, Moshkin et Tamayim Meilan Leilan. Okay. You're allowed, on Cholamor Edison's again, to draw water from one tree to another tree. We learned in the first Mishnah, Moshkin Betashalachin. Fields that need to be irrigated, since if you don't water them in Cholamor, it's going to be Hefsed. So therefore, in the place of Hefsed, they were matir tirha on Holomorit. The Aizab and Yaakov's Hadush of here is that a tree itself has a deen of a bit of Because trees themselves need a lot of uh, water. So therefore, you have a field. Even though the field might be a bit of Baal, the field itself uh, has a, an ample supply of water. But the trees, under the trees themselves, you have to constantly water them. So you're allowed to draw water from. Tree to tree, but you cannot water the entire field. The field itself will be able to sustain itself, but the trees itself, no. The trees have a need of because consider they've said, right? But don't uh, give water to the whole uh, field because the field itself is betabal. There's no said. Good. Zeraim shelo shatu defneam moed. If you have, let's say, zeraim, uh, I call it wheat, that let's say did not drink or was not uh, watered before the moed, lo yeshkim bemoed. Do not water them on the moed. What are we talking now? Look at Rashi. Do il velom mashkel u tadir lefneam moed lo avi lepeseda ilom mashkel u bemoed. If they're not constantly being watered. Obviously, they can live without being constantly watered. And that was not a said. So how do you judge? Say, if you didn't water them before Holom Moed, so therefore, they don't start watering on Holom Moed now. Because obviously, it was able to go without water. So that's the Zabin Yaakov's rule again. But the rabbis are lenient. 
What's bazeh or bazeh? They say, not only do I allow you to water the trees, I allow you to water even the field itself, and zira'im, even though they were not watered before Olamayad, you can still water them on Olamayad. Which basically, this Shittaf Rahimim is saying, you're allowed to water a bit of Baal field. Wow. Now, if you remember on Daf Bet, there was a Shita like that in the Braita, the Shittaf Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir said on Daf Bet, was part of, one of the bright on the bottom of the daft there that he said even a bit of Baal field is permissible. So you have to say that this shitat hachamim that's saying matir bazeu bazeh is indeed shitat. Rabbi Mi, look at Ashi. Hachamim matirim bazeu bazeh lashkot et kol asadeh kula ulashkot bemoed zeraim sheloshatu lefna moed vehai hachamim hai Rabbi Meir. Good. Now we go to the Gemara. Amar of Yehuda. Imaita sade metunenet mutar. If the field was a field called a metunenet field, it's permissible to water it. Which means that which I told you, you can only water between the trees. That's yeah, on a regular field. But if the field in between the trees is a metunenet field, which means naturally moist, there's always water running from underneath the field where it's constantly moist, that means what? The field itself depends on that water because it's naturally moist. So then it's going to be lenient. They can even water in between the trees. Look at that sheep. Amar Yehuda. Had Amar Elazar. Well, the Eizer Abal Lo Yeshke. It's a that you cannot water the whole field. Abal Imaita Sadeh Metunen. What is that? Laha. It's moist. Now, what happened on Cholam Oed? Viyavsha. Now came Cholam Oed. It dried up. Since it's always moist, if you're not going to water it, you can have a peseda. So he says, Mutad Ashkota, Afal Gav, Sadeh Betabaal. Even though normally this field can sustain itself on you know, waters, Kevan Dav Yalacha Adhashta, since until this point it was moist, Ilom Mashkela, Havi Peseda Yetera. If you're not going to water it, it's going to be Hefsed. So the beer is going to be Hadusha. There are some cases where even on a Betabaal field, you'll be able to water it. If it's a metunenet field, meaning it's naturally moist, and what happened? Hold on, when something happened, it wasn't raining, it dried up. Oh, now there's a bit of a field that dried up, even temporarily, since it's constantly being uh, nurtured with water. If you don't water it, it's going to be a loss, and therefore you can water not only between the trees, but the actual field itself. Tanya na meachim, we have a bright to support this opinion. Kishamru asulashkotan bemoed. That which we said, that you're not allowed to, let's say, water seeds on hola moed. Lo amaru ela bizrein shuloshetum lefne moed. That's only said on seeds that were not watered from before hola moed. Abaz zidaim shuloshetum lefne moed. But like we said in the Mishnah, zidaim that were watered from before hola moed, mutal ashkotan bemoed. Why? What's the logic? Because again, since they're constantly getting watered. If you're not going to water the Mahalam Ahead, they're going to become Hefsid. Vimaita Sademetunenet Mutar. Clearly, you have a brighter that says that a Sademetunenet is also Mutar to water it if it dried up on Mahalam Ahead. The end, Mashkin Sadeh Garid Bamuid. But a Sadeh Garid, what is that? That she says, Yavsham Me'olam. It's naturally a dry field. So get it, a dry field, and the business is going to say what? You can't water it, because it's not necessary. 
never has water, so it's not used to water. Mm-hmm. Now, what are the two things that are being lenient in this Braita? <laughs> well, number one, a snake got eat, a dry field, and Zerayim that were not watered before, they'll also be lenient. What's the logic of Hakamim? Rabbi Meir. Now, what a bit of Baal field is permissible to water on? Okay, so therefore, the only leniency we're seeing in this Braita, which Rabbi Ezra Yaakov is going to rely on, is the Metunenet. She's normally the Bezbah because it says they have Baal, you can't do. Only the trees themselves will have a deal with the Shilachim. But if the field in between is considered naturally moist and it dried up on Cholamoed, then it would be permissible to water it because we don't want to have a Hefset. Amar Ravina, Shmach Minna, I learned from here. Hai Tarbitza. Tarbitza is a garden. Share le Tarbutze Behola de Moada. You're allowed to sprinkle water on it on Cholamoed. Now again, Tarbutse is not watering. Watering would say lashkot. The Tarbut say you sprinkle. You take uh, water and you just give a little uh, sprinkling on the field, on the uh, garden. Sadegarid. Now the Gibra explains. Sadegarid Maitama, which means we said that the Hakamim allowed you to water a Sadegarid. Correct? On Hola uh, Mu'id. The aflam mashvele harfa. What's the benefit of watering a stegarid? It's dry. What's the, that doesn't it doesn't really need the water. No, which means what's going to happen is the afla, a field that normally blooms late, by watering it, it'll cause it to bloom now early. here too aflam mashvele harfa. By sprinkling the garden, it'll cause it to bloom early. Now what is it saying? Rashi. Shari leterbutze lezalef ale amayim. Afagav deleka peseda. Oh, here's the hadush. Even though there's really no hefsed, so how can we be lenient to go sprinkle water on a gan on holam moed if there's no hefsed? Uh, so he says, look at the next Rashi. Aflal shivuya harfa deleka peseda. Didn't Hachamim allow you to water a snake garid even though there's no hefsed? Which is from Rashi, it's must be saying like this. Once already you see the rabbis, Mimir, he was so lenient, he even lets you water, not sprinkle, water a field. In order to, what are you going to benefit on a Gareed field by watering it? No, it'll cause it to bloom earlier. So for the Biliyazim and Yaakov, he'll be lenient not to water. But at least to sprinkle. She's already you see she died it's so lenient but then you actually water in abundance a field, right? Stigarid. Well what's the what are you benefiting? You don't just need it. No, it'll cause it to blossom early. So according to the Gibra as what? That they'll be even lenient only to sprinkle on a gun. You can sprinkle on the gun. You can actually water it. So you have to say this is a Hadush Dafka for the Bili Azir bin Yaakov. Because normally it's Mahmida, you cannot water your uh, dry fields on Cholamorid. Uh, and he says, but sprinkling it with that, if you see watering for Achanim is mutar, sprinkling for the Benzim and Yaakov will be mutar as well. Okay. And I'm just reading the Tosafot, just so you see it inside. The Tosafot Shadda Tarbutse. Ufizen Nere Dachi Pirushot, Dehai Tarbitsa Shadda Tarbutse, Afil Benzim and Yaakov. 
תחי איכי דשאלו לבנן אפילו שביעי חרפה, כמה בעצם יעקב יתיר גם כן השקעה פולטה. שדרכמים עליו השקעה, בעצם יעקב מתיר השקעה פולטה. But the same logic, to bring the product to blossom earlier. Next case. תראו לבנן, מי אתה בריתה? מרביצים שדה לבן בשביעית, אבל לא במועד. Now, according to the Tosafot, the Buddha Matthil Marbitzin, he's learning that this word Marbitzin over here is talking about actual watering. Now, even though we just learned the word Tarbutze is sprinkling, but in this context of the Gemara, he says it has to be talking about regular watering, and we'll see why. Tarbanan, Marbitzin Sade Lavan. Sadeh Lavan is a wheat field. They call a wheat field Sadeh Lavan because it looks white. Or because we said there's no shade. Because there's no trees. Bashvi'it. You're allowed to water a field in the Shemitah, in the seventh year. Avalo b'mo'ed. But you're not allowed to water it on Chola Mo'ed. That she says over here, it's a beta Baal field. Well, if it's a beta Baal field, that explains it. Why you're not allowed to water it? Because Beta Baal has its own water, and therefore we don't want you to get involved in Tirha on Cholamuet where it's no Peseda. Mashiachin on Shemitah, the Chavurah should be permissible, right? Oh, only question is if you look at the beginning of the Mishnah. Actually, we said Mashkin Beta Shilachin b'Moedu b'Shemirit. So clearly we learned that you are allowed to water. So therefore this is consistent with our Mishnah. Because you are allowed to water fields during the Shemitah. So therefore this statement also, to talk about not only sprinkling in the, in the Shemitah, you are actually allowed to water. That's what Tosafot wants to prove, that obviously we are talking about regular watering. Because why would you only allow sprinkling during the Shemitah? But how would I even regular watering fields during the Shemitah is permissible. Although we don't allow maybe uh, plowing and all other major melachot, but sprinkling or watering, we said, is not considered a melachah that's asura on Shemitah. So they want to say that this watering is talking about regular watering. That's why it's mutar on the Shemitah, just like we learned in the first Mishnah. Not Beit Hashalim. We said but Shemitah, there's no difference when it comes to that. Shemitah, there's no inyan of Tirhan and things like that. But Shemitah, watering, we said, is always permissible because it's not one of the items that was asur. So the Gemara says... But what do you mean? We learned to the Blaita Marbitzin bin b'moed bin b'shivyait. We have a Blaita arguing on that. It says you can even water even on chola moed. So make up your mind: are you allowed to water or not? Amar avuna lakasha har b'diayzum in Yaakov har banan. Very simple. I'll say the opinion that says you're not allowed to water on chola moed. I'll say that's the b'diayzum in Yaakov. And the opinion that says you're allowed to is a b'meir hakamim. Very simple. I can answer the both Tanaic statements. Look at that she. Hadiktani avalo yeshkim b'moed. That what it says. Do not water them. Achalam moed. I know to be there's a miyakov. The amar avalo yeshkit kol asadekula. Very good. The hadiktani b'moed b'meshivrit. I know hakamim. The matrim nashkot afilu kol asadek. Very good. So the two statements can be squared off. Rabbi Yehuda miyakov that you cannot water a bit of our field, and the be achamim that you can. Comes the Gemara continues. Ah, you're allowed to water a field in the sixth year. 
so the fruit will come out, or the vegetables will come out in the seventh year. Not only that, but you can also water a field in the seventh year. So the vegetables will come out in the eighth year. Just even though we learned earlier in the Gemara about it, Tosefet, Tosefet is Tosefet Shvi'id. That's only regarding real melacha, like plowing and things like that. When it comes to watering, you can even water in the sixth year if it's going to benefit the seventh year, or you could water in the seventh year. If it's going to benefit the eighth year, but Rashi says here, "Avalo yashkeb b'shivirit k'deri yishiyusu b'shivirit." But Rashi says here, "But the water in the seventh year, for it to come out in the seventh year, that's going to be asur." So the only things about that is six for seven watering or seven to eight. But seven for seven, that she says is going to be asur. It should be known that Rashi in the Kitab Yad says that in the seventh year you can even water for the seventh year itself. So we have a contradiction between the two that she's if watering for the seventh year will be permitted if it's going to benefit the seventh year itself. Next Mishnah. Sadin et ishut. Ishut is a type of rodent. I'm going to explain it's a mole. It's in your field. It's destroying the field. So it says in Hala Mu'ed and in the Shemitah year you're allowed to trap these uh, moles. Ve'et akhbarim. And the mice, from a field that has trees, and from a wheat field, even according to the normal way, to both trap these rodents on Cholamored and in the Shemitah, as she says, because it's causing said It's ruining your uh, crop. You don't have to go do it differently. Now what's the hadus? Why, why, why shouldn't I be able to do it in Shivirit? There's no suit in Melachah uh, during the Shemitah year. So that she says, It seems that when you're going to uh, catch it, can it, the field becomes uh, cultivated somehow. Could be the, the way you're trapping it, I think the Tosfot explains here, you have to take away some stones in order to trap it. Now we learned earlier that taking stones off a field is a suit during Shemitah, because that's like plowing. So then when you're, when, you're, when you're trapping it, you're taking dirt, you're taking stones with it. So the hadush is that in the Shemitah, it will be permissible to trap the uh, rodents in the field, because it's causing you a have said, even though you might be taking stones from the ground with it. Listen, when it comes to a field of trees, trap it the regular way. However, in a uh, wheat field, you have to make a shinui. Why does she says, what's the difference? You know why? Because that's a big loss. It's not such a big loss in a wheat field. Therefore, you have to trap it in a unusual manner. You're allowed to uh, fix a fence that was breached. You want to fix the fence around your field. You can do that on Khala Mu'ayid. And in Shemitah, you're allowed to build the fence in the normal way. Meaning you don't have to just breach it, uh, or fill, uh, uh, put a temporary um, patch, let's say, like you do in Ulam Mu'ayyad. On, on Shemitah, you can actually build it the regular way. What's the Hadush for you? Melachaz Asur during Shemitah? No, because it says, well, you're going to start building a, a fence in the normal way in Shemitah. It might look like you're not being mafki to your field. Because in Shemitah, you have to let your field, everybody uh, come in. No. So no, you're still able to have a, uh, a fence. You can build a fence in the normal way on the Shemitah. We give it all explain. So one of the things we said in the Mishnah is you're allowed to trap, ishut, moles. 
So he was my issue. What is an issue? What type of animal is this here? Amar of Yehuda, Biryash in the Ainayim. It's a it's a type of creature that has no eyes. So what does it do? It just keeps on digging in the ground. So it ruins the whole field. So therefore you want to catch it. So that's what it says. It's a Hulda. How do I know that a ishut is a mole that has no eyes? So as the Pasuk says of it, David is talking about the enemies of Israel, that they should be destroyed. So David compares the enemies to the following. Like a snail, that melts, it seems when it comes out of its shell, the, 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 it oozes out of its shell and uh, the mucus comes out of the shell with it and the whole thing just uh, dies, it, 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 it dissipates so then mm-hmm. and it will fall like an eshet, that's the ishut like the mole bal shamish. I cannot see the sun. So you see what? Eshet is Ishut. And what does the Pasuk say about it? Bal Hazushamish. You cannot see the sun, meaning it is blind. So therefore you see the Ishut is that type of animal. It's a snail. When it comes out of its shell, Rirut noflot memenu. All types of mucus falls from it. Until the whole thing, the whole snail... Uh, Melts, umit. Temis kemo vinamas. Nafal eshet balhazu shamish kilomar. Kach ishut noflot pitom laharis umetim. So to these moles, they just die suddenly. They're no hazu because they can't see. So since they never see sunlight, they just die suddenly. So to the enemies of Israel should have the same fate. Okay, you're allowed to trap these things from a field, in the normal fashion, because they're not seen. And you're allowed to destroy the ant holes. That has ant holes in this field. So you're allowed to, to ruin them, destroy them. How do you destroy an ant hole? The way you kill ant holes is you take uh, dirt from a different ant hole and you put it on the other one. Now what happens over there? When you do that, uh, it's foreign soil. So the Gemara says the ants in the hole will start to kill each other. They'll start to, to choke each other. Why? So look at Rashi. Rashi says, They don't recognize that afar. And they go uh, crazy, they kill themselves. Some explain, because in the Afar itself, there's other ants. So it's like they're being attacked. So therefore they start to fight with each other. And therefore when they start to fight with each other, they kill each other. So that's why you get rid of an antol. You put a little dirt from a different antol on top of them and uh, get rid of it. So the Gemara says, but it's got to be dirt that they're not familiar with. And the ants have a very good sense of smell. And therefore, it's got to be really dirt that's from far away. So the Gemara explains. First of all, you got to get the dirt from a different side of the river. Which means, if it's dirt from the same side of the river, they're familiar with it. And also you have to say there's no bridge to cross the river. If there's a bridge already, that, that's not going to work. Not only gamla, there's not even a plank in between. The bridge is substantial. Even a plank to get across. 
It says even a rope, but you sometimes they put a little plank and they put ropes on the side so you can hold on to the ropes to walk across. Look at that sheet. It's even smaller than a plank. You can't even walk on it. You have to put a rope on both sides. There's any way to go across, already that afar is not going to work too. To, to kill the other ants. So the Gemara says, Ad Kama, which means how far? What's the question? How far? That's she. Ad Kama Miru Hakin Hani Trehore Nemalim, the Hiika Nehara Benayu, Veleka Gishra, the Emakirim Hani Behore Dehani. Which means, even with the river, without any access, still, still be close. How far does it have to be for it to work? Gemara says, Ad Parsa. Which means until a parsa. Parsa is four meals, which is like uh, three miles. Which means even without that, within three miles, they'll still recognize it. And therefore, it's still not going to work. At parsa. Once you have a river plus a parsa, then already, without access, then already you have no problem. <laughs> Others explain, and the Tosafot brings us that also, that it's talking about if you don't have a river. Which means what's the shiur without a river? Without a river, we know the shiur, as long as no access. But on land, What's the shiur? They say, Ad parsa. But once you're more than a parsa away, even on the same side, they will not recognize. So it's either parsa with a river, or it's parsa on dry land. Those are two different shiur.